Welcome to Kiss and Tel Aviv, where we put the love in Tel Aviv. I'm your host, Margo, and this is Tel Aviv's first and only dating, sex, and relationships podcast. But as you know, sometimes we talk about all kinds of things that have to do with life in Tel Aviv and beyond. And today we have an incredibly special guest, a dear friend of mine, and she's going to be imparting a ton of wisdom about the process of Aliyah. In the bottom of last week's episode, where we talked about the pros and cons of each Israeli city, I promised you guys an interview with an Aliyah advisor. And today I'm excited to bring you my dear friend, Orly. Orly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, darling. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So Orly Tamir, I'm an Aliyah advisor with Nefesh Benefesh. I was born in New York, made Aliyah at the age of 14 to the north, not to a city like Tel Aviv or a city like Jerusalem and as a teenager, which is a whole other thing that I could talk about for hours. I was in a regular Israeli high school, went into the army, and I was in the army for seven years, actually, which I think was a huge part about why being an Israeli today as an adult is easier, Mm -hmm. because I had that experience that not every Ole gets, but I was able to have that experience. And now I've been working as an Aliyah advisor at Nefesh Benefesh for the last almost two and a half years. Awesome. And for those who maybe don't know, what is Nefesh Benefesh? We're going to be saying those words a lot. Yes. So Nefesh Benefesh is a non-for-profit that works together with the Jewish agency, Misrada Pni in the Ministry of Interior, and Misrada Klita, the Ministry of Aliyah and Integration, to assist Olim from North America. We can only assist from North America, so Canada, the United States, in the Aliyah process itself. We work together with those other organizations, and we help bring people home. Amen. We love to hear it. Well, I can tell you guys right now that Orly has been such a great help to me in many of my various questions I have, even after 10 years of living in Israel. Her and I met through mutual friends at a Shabbat dinner, and she's an amazing friend and amazing at her job. Thank you so much for being here. If you follow me over on Instagram, you may have seen that I put up a question and answer sticker and I asked you guys to submit all of your burning questions about Aliyah, everything from bureaucracy to who's eligible and all kinds of stuff. And you guys sent in some very good questions and I'm really excited to answer some of those. Starting it off strong, one of the biggest questions was who is eligible to make Aliyah? So Aliyah, first of all, is the term for those that want to come and immigrate to Israel based on the law of return. The law of return specifically states, and I'm kind of, I'm giving a generalization. I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty, which you can find all the information online. But generally speaking, it says that anybody, any Jew has the right to immigrate to Israel as an ole. And what a Jew under the law of return means is somebody that was either born to a Jewish mother or father or a Jewish grandparent or somebody who converted to Judaism. Converted to Judaism can be through the reform movement, the conservative movement, the Orthodox Union, any movement that is officially affiliated, any Beit Din, any synagogue that is officially affiliated. And that's really important to keep in mind. But it's important to understand that there's more to the law of return than just your Jewish lineage. It's also about if you're Jewish and have also never practiced another religion. Now, this is not for those that converted to Judaism because pre-conversion, they might have practiced another religion and that's fine. Correct. But post-conversion, have you been living your life as a Jewish person in a Jewish community? What does that mean? But also part of the law of return is that you don't pose any threat to yourself or to the people of Israel or the state of Israel. 
So part of the process are background checks. Uh, mm-hmm. They do they look into you. It's it's important to keep in mind this is an immigration process. Correct. It's not just about being Jewish. It's right. immigrating to another country. Right. It's um, not just yeah. like <coughs> Taglit forever. No. Where you can come not. on a trip and it's not that's it forever. and just stay it's here not Masa right forever it's it's you are becoming a citizen of another country and it's a process so now that we have defined what is aliyah and also you may have heard orly or myself mention the word ole or ola that just means somebody who makes aliyah to israel one of the most popular questions we got was financial questions mm-hmm. and a lot of you wrote in and asked how much money should you save up before you make aliyah is that something you can advise on i can i can't give an exact number but i will say this generally we tell our olim that it's best to come with between three to six months worth of living expenses. Mm-hmm. And now living expenses is to each their own. If somebody wants to live in a city like Tel Aviv, they have to be prepared for the fact that they're going to be living a Manhattan level lifestyle when it comes to what they're going to be spending ter- their money <laughs> Maybe on. not in terms of luxury in terms or of luxury and how much it's going to cost. Trader Joe's. Yes. But yes. Yes. I mean, if you're going to be shopping at Tivtam all every single day, then it's you know, that's going to be very expensive. But if you're living a little bit outside of the center, if you're living even in a city like Haifa, it's it's much less expensive than living in Tel Aviv. We are very soon launching on our website kind of like an Excel sheet where you can put in your own rent mm. and what you're spending money on. And it gives you a budget. It gives you your first year of Aliyah budget based on the numbers you put in on what you're looking to spend money on. It'll tell you roughly how much money you should be making. I'll also add that part of the benefits that you get when you make Aliyah is there is something called salklita, which is essentially a government subsidy, some money that you get to just kind of help you out. But it is not enough to live off of. It's decided based on marital status, family status, if you're single, if, if you have kids, if you're single with kids. That's what it's essentially based upon. But it's not enough to live off of. Right. So it's it's important to not count solely on your benefits to to live here and survive here right i think if i'm allowed to say back in the day i made aliyah in 2012 and i think my sal clita my benefits stipend was six thousand shekel total right. yeah it's about it's i i it really depends for um, six months or something right like that. so you yeah. get you get it's you get a one month payment every six months for the first six months of your aliyah depending on where you make aliyah from whether it's from the states or from outside of israel slash within israel it depends on how that money actually starts coming into your mm-hmm. bank account and it's important to note it has to go into an israeli bank account so you have to be opening up an israeli bank account as part of the initial aliyah process mm-hmm. it can't go to your u.s bank account to help you pay off student loans from the states or whatever it may be it's going to right. an israeli bank account Which i don't know how far it would even get in it that won't. <laughs> it won't get yeah. That far. That far. Now, there's there's a couple different ways somebody can make Aliyah. I personally made Aliyah from within Israel because I got a work visa and I got hired at a job and two weeks later I moved here. So I didn't really have time to go through the whole Aliyah process from outside of Israel. So I didn't do the chartered flight or anything like that. In terms of someone making Aliyah from outside of Israel, what do you think are the most important things they need to do ahead of time before Mm -hmm. they come? That's a good question. I think that during COVID, we focus solely on the documents and getting your documents together because for many people, they couldn't come to Israel for a pilot trip. And essentially their first year of Aliyah was a pilot trip. They would come here and just kind of get an Airbnb and figure it out. Now we're kind of coming out of that COVID era and sort of going back to how it was before then. And I think that the biggest piece of advice that I can give is planning. 
know roughly where you're going to be going. Know roughly who your support system is going to be here. You're going to get some government assistance. There's We have a whole post-Aliyah team that can help any ole, regardless of where you made Aliyah from. But at the end of the day, you need a good support system. You need to have some sort of a plan when coming here. Maybe not this is going to be my job, but mm-hmm. what field am I looking to look for a job in? Am I looking to go to school? Am I looking to go to the army? Have I reached out to the people that can help me find what I need in order to really make my alias successful? Right. It's not just about getting on a plane and coming here, getting a that ole, getting a that zuhut. It's about having a successful aliyah. Right. And Tudat Zut is, for those listening that don't know, you're basically your Israeli ID. Yeah, your Israeli ID. It's used for everything. Everything. Opening a bank account, renting a car. Renting a scooter, a scooter to go. Everything. To the club at night. Yes. Every, <laughs> you need it for everything. You might as well just get it memorized as soon as you can. What about, a big question I know a lot of our listeners are going to want to know is housing. How do you recommend people find housing? How's that work? Okay, so this is coming up more and more. In the past, let's say in the 70s, 80s, 90s, a lot of olim, wherever they came from, from all over the world, would go to what's called America's Klita, which is essentially an absorption center, which is provided by Misrada Klita, the Ministry of Aliyah and Integration, that allows people to live there, whether it be singles, families, stuff like that, when they first arrive in Israel either because they are fleeing from a very bad situation where they're coming from, mm-hmm. or if they have little to no resources of their own. Mm-hmm. They're not usually offered to those that are coming from Western countries. Like Josh from Westchester is probably not <laughs> going to be settling down in Merkaza Klita. And it's important to keep in mind, it's not necessarily something you want. Now, people hear free and they get super excited. Right. But you're essentially living in a dorm yeah. with at least one other roommate that you have no say who in who it's going to be. Look, if there's a situation where somebody absolutely needs it, they can obviously speak to the Jewish agency, speak to Misrada Klita, see if they can get a placement. But it's definitely not ideal. It's, mm-hmm. it's also, it's very, it can be isolating. Right. And the truth is, if you're coming to live in Israel and you don't have a place to stay, even with a friend, even with a family member for the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. that should be a sign to you to do some more do some more, more time. Do some more time. Researching. Do some more planning. Research a little bit yeah. more. You don't, I I always tell my Aleem, I would rather you make Aliyah the right way than right now. Right. I love that. That's that's really important. What about if you don't know anyone and you want to make Aliyah? I mean, I, I knew a couple people when I came here and I did a Masa program and some of the friends from that program were able to introduce me to my roommates who later mm-hmm. became my best friends. But... Should people try and look for apartments from abroad? People can absolutely start to look for apartments from abroad. I will definitely say it's if you don't know anybody, it's often easier to do an Airbnb kind of a situation if you can obviously afford that. But since you are on the we are on the topic of apartments and stuff like that, anybody that's interested in making Aliyah join the Facebook groups now. I know that for many people like Facebook, that's so like right. you know, different yep. generation. I don't even yep. touch Facebook anymore. Everything in Israel 
happens on Facebook. Whether you're looking for an apartment, whether you're looking for a job, whether you're, look, whether you're looking for some, a Shabbat dinner, everything yep. is on Facebook. You want information about Aliyah. There's so many amazing Facebook groups. Making Aliyah this year, if you're looking for a good community, Nefesh Benefesh community, if you're looking to speak to somebody about finances, living financially smarter in Israel, there's so much information. You have to get comfortable again with using Facebook. And then there's a lot of other you know, general Facebook groups like Secret Tel Aviv, Secret mm-hmm. Jerusalem, Secret Haifa. So, 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 so many. Totally. Many groups. Love that. Go on to the Nefesh Benefesh website. It's nbn.org.il. Super easy to find people to contact. Under events, you can schedule to speak with an Aliyah advisor. Even if you're not necessarily from North America, but you have Aliyah questions, you can reach out and someone will at least explain the process for mm-hmm. you. Uh, I also want to say that if you are going to potentially be a lone soldier mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be coming to, to and, and enlisting into the army, we have a program called LSP, the Lone Soldier Program, that is in charge of all the lone soldiers in the IDF. No matter where you've made Aliyah from, mm-hmm. you can reach them at lsp at nbn.org.il. If you're a medical professional who is looking to convert your license to be able to work mm-hmm. in Israel, we have an amazing program called Medex that we do once a year, which is kind of a one-stop shop to get your medical license transferred over. And if you have any general information, you can contact that team at medpro at nbn.org.il. So many amazing programs, such amazing stuff. We just started doing an ulpan, a pre-Aliyah ulpan that's heavily mm. subsidized for people that are looking to, to make Aliyah and learn Hebrew. And what kind of documents, speaking of, that a person should be gathering ahead of time. This is a fun one. Okay, so before I even get into the documents, I am going to say there are different statuses when you are making Aliyah. You said before there's Ole, Ola, Olim. An Ole, if we're talking for Aliyah purposes, is somebody who has no Israeli background and they were never living here previously on an A1 visa. An A1 visa is essentially like a temporary resident kind of a visa. If you have never been living here before on that kind of a visa, or you have no Israeli background whatsoever, you are what's called an Ole Chadash, or Ola Chadasha, or Olim Chadashim, okay? Now. Chadash and Chadasha and Chadashim means new. New, new immigrants, new basically. New immigrants, exactly. Now. If you are somebody who was born to an Israeli parent. Like me. Like you. So somebody who either their mother or father either was born in Israel and left and and then got married or had you outside of Israel. Or your parent made Aliyah before you were born and then left at some point and had you outside of Israel. You, by law, are entitled to Israeli citizenship. Now, that doesn't mean they've made Aliyah. Right. It just means that they've gotten their citizenship. Got it. That status is somebody that's called an Ezrach Ole. Ezrach means citizen. Ole means immigrating. So you're essentially a citizen that's immigrating. That's what I was. That's what you are. And it's really important that if somebody is in that situation where their dad, their mom is an Israeli citizen and they don't have an Israeli passport, the first thing you need to do if you want to make Aliyah is get that Israeli passport. There's no way around that. That's what we're working on. And actually, Orly helped my father. My father made... Yerida. <laughs> he left Israel in 1955. And so Orly was really instrumental in helping me figure out what we needed to do to get my dad's passport and citizenship because he wants it. And it's just a really cool thing to have, especially now that I'm here. And then the last status that I'm going to talk about is what's called a Katin Choser. A Katin means a minor. Choser means returning. Somebody that was born in Israel 
left before the age of 14 and is now coming back post the age of 18 is what is called a katin choser. Okay, mm-hmm. so you already have an Israeli passport. You obviously have an Israeli birth certificate. You right. were born here. And the reason that I'm mentioning these three different statuses is because it also changes the documents that you need and it changes okay. the process a little bit. So that's just a very important thing to keep in mind. The general documents, and I'm going to say I work mostly and solely with North American Aliyah, so Canadians and um, and. American citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're making Aliyah from another country, from somewhere in Europe, from somewhere in South Africa, Australia, wherever you're making Aliyah from, it's really important you speak directly to your Jewish agency representative where you're located mm-hmm. because there might be something that's a little different because you're coming from another country. Got it. So the documents that I'm mentioning are the general documents that are overall what's needed for everybody, but they might differ if you come from another country. So that's just, it's important that everyone understands Okay. That. Now it's really important that your passport, the passport that you're going to making aliyah on is valid for at least a year when you're going to make aliyah that's mm. part of the rule so if you're saying i want to make aliyah in two years from now but my passport's only going to be valid for two and a half more years renew that passport now yep plan that's part of planning ahead so that's an important thing to keep in mind so your passport the other thing you're going to need is your birth certificate your birth certificate, wherever country you're from. If you're making Aliyah from North America, then obviously it's in English. You need essentially all civil documents. So marriage certificate, divorce certificate, and you need them for every civil change you've ever had. So if you've been married and divorced four times, you need- (laughs) Kim Kardashian, if you wanna make Aliyah. <laughs> so J-Lo or, if you're yeah, listening yeah maybe these people are Jewish and we just didn't yeah. know yeah we're gonna find maybe they'll out. convert love it so you need every marriage certificate every divorce certificate or if your spouse passed away the death certificate if you change your name legally name change certificate obviously you've also seen those that have gone through you know gender reaffirmation surgery so mm-hmm. they have to also get those types of documents okay. all accepted all fine but what's very important to keep in mind is that you need something called an apostille, which I know mm. many of my olim hear this word and they're like, what apostille is some Jesus thing? Like yeah. <laughs> the apostles of Aliyah. The apostles of Aliyah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what is an apostille? An apostille is essentially a document that internationally authenticates that civil document. Both the United States and Israel, for example, are part of the apostille convention, which is part of the Geneva Accords, which means that you need to get an apostille on the civil documents issued in either country in order for them to be recognized in the other country. Mm -hmm. You literally Google apostille countries and it's super easy to find them. But you need to get an apostille on all of those documents. If you were born in, and and in the United States, it's by state. So if you were born in Arkansas, but you you need to get an apostille from Arkansas on your birth certificate. But if you were married in New Jersey, you need to get an apostille from New Jersey on your marriage certificate. And if you were divorced in New York, you need to get an apostille from New York on the divorce certificate. So it can get complicated the more you travel around the United States, Mm -hmm. the more civil changes you go through. This is a document that is sometimes frustrating to get depending on your situation you need to get a criminal background check oh yes (laughs) criminal background check from every country you lived in for more than a year since the age of 14 and that too needs to be apostilled now if you were living in i don't know france 
There are some countries that FSCs are super easy and a background check is super easy. France is a very easy country to get a background check with voilà. FSCs from. Very, very easy. Some countries require fingerprints. Some countries don't. The UK, the ACRO background check does not require your fingerprints. Mm -hmm. I believe it's the same with France. Canada and the United States. Canada is the RCMP background check. And from the United States, it's an FBI background check. Opa, But the FBI is coming for you. The, FBI, the feds, it's, baby. It's FBI background check. And... They do require fingerprints. And all of these need to be apostilles. Now, for countries, I should have mentioned this before about the apostilles, but countries that are not part of the apostille convention, in order to get them authenticated, they need to be signed by the Israeli consulate in the country of relevance. So if you need to get an RCMP background check because Canada is not part of the apostille convention, oh. you need to have the RCMP either brought or sent to the consulate in Toronto and needs to be authenticated by the Israeli consulate in Toronto. So if you're living in New York and you, I just had an OLED do this, and you spent three years living in Thailand, mm. you don't get it authenticated by the Israeli consulate in New York. You have to reach out to the Israeli consulate in Thailand okay. and have it authenticated. It's That's just one example, but that's important. And it's important, this is huge, the background checks themselves are valid for six months. After you get it? And they need to be valid on the day you physically make Aliyah. Okay, guys. So sometimes, more times than not, you need to get it more than once. And I can't even you, remember all of this. I know I had to do it, but this is crazy. And I'm surprised. Well, I guess it's surprising that you have to do it because my next point is anyone with an Israeli passport, generally speaking, is exempt. Oh, from maybe that's why I didn't have to do it because I didn't have an Israeli passport, but my dad is Israeli. There so you go. So anyone. <laughs> I'm already a fucking criminal by, by, by that alone. So anyone with an Israeli passport. So we said a Katin Choser, someone who was born here and left as a child. Mm -hmm. And Israel Ole, somebody that was born to an Israeli parent abroad. If you have an Israeli passport, you are, generally speaking, exempt from getting the the criminal background check from whichever country you're currently living in. Obviously, it's up to the discretion of the Jewish agency and Misra Daplin, the Israeli government. If they suspect that you're trying to make Aliyah to run away from something, they 100% have the right to ask for you to do a background and check. And some people are. And I've seen it happen. Yes. And I will add that If you have any prior arrests, you can still apply for Aliyah. That doesn't mean you're not going to get approved necessarily, depending on, you know, the severity of the prior arrest. But what it does mean is you need to get your official court docket for any charge that is on your background check. It needs to be notarized and apostilled by the state in which you were arrested. Okay. Sometimes a Jewish agency might ask for it to be translated. It really depends on the charge itself, but the Jewish agency will, will very kindly guide you through that process if needed. Okay, that's very important. All you little mama, I'm in love with a criminal. <laughs> Listen up and get all of that taken care of. Cool. So it's not really going to prevent you from being able to make Aliyah if you got a DUI when you were 21, but you know, just might, get it taken it care of your process of it because it's an additional level of review that you're that your family needs to go through but you need to you need to be patient the aliyah process it's an immigration process yes you're immigrating to the united states it takes you years and there's a test at the end yeah there's no test here i tell my <laughs> oh mother, there are tests well, there, you get tested <laughs> you get tested but there's yes. no official like you know test sit test. down who was the third prime minister exactly. and during the blah 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 war exactly yeah. the next document that i'm going to mention is some is one that i get asked about all the time mm -hmm. proof of judaism okay, okay yes you read my mind proof of judaism it's essentially and i'm going to split this into two things being able to make aliyah based on the fact that you were born to a jewish parent or grandparent 
and then conversion. Those are two different things that require different documents. If you were born to a Jewish parent or grandparent, you essentially need a letter from a rabbi of a synagogue. It can be any affiliation. It could be Reform, Conservative, Orthodox, Reconstructionist, any affiliation. What matters is that both the rabbi and the synagogue are officially affiliated with one of the major movements. The letter needs to essentially be on synagogue letterhead. It needs to say, my name is Orly Tamir, for example. I know Orly Tamir to be Jewish, born to two Jewish parents. Yes, that's important. It needs to say, not so-and-so's parent is Jewish. It needs to say, born to a Jewish mother or born to a Jewish father. That's really important wording. You yourself are Jewish. That's essentially what it needs to say, and it's very important. The letter needs to be signed in pen. It cannot be a digital signature. You need, if, if your rabbi sends you it as a PDF in the email or sends you a picture by phone, that's fine. But for your actual Aliyah process, you need the original ink signed copy yep. of your letter. I can confirm, and I can also confirm that if it is not written correctly, you will have to get another one written yes. and signed by hand by your rabbi with a pen. Yes. Mine said the wording was off and I couldn't use it and I found out the hard way after many <laughs> tears yeah. that it needs to say the right thing and be signed with a pen. Exactly. That's that's very important. And, you know, if anybody is listening here and they have any more questions about the rabbi's letter, I do recommend speaking directly to an Aliyah advisor. You can also schedule to do that even if you're not an Nefesh Benefesh on our website in, of, under events. There's a thing where it says schedule to speak to an Aliyah advisor and you can just schedule a time to speak to an Aliyah advisor about those types of questions. And then let's talk very briefly about the conversion yeah. thing and can somebody who is not Jewish make Aliyah? You know, the Jewish agency and the Israeli government are essentially the bodies that were given the mandate to approve Aliyah from all over the world, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what, you know, what part of the world you're from. And while many of the documents and the information I'm giving you is overall correct, it's always up to the Jewish agency and to the Israeli government if they want to request something else. And it's very possible they might request something else or they might request something a little different. It's important to speak to the Jewish agency directly, to your Aliyah advisor, whoever you can about your specific case. The conversion, same as the other rabbi's letter, it needs to be done through one of the official movements. Depending on when you did your conversion, you definitely need your conversion certificate. And then depending on when you did your conversion, you might also need a syllabus of your conversion. It needs, if it is needed, it should be as detailed as possible. Dates, times, text study. Your rabbi might be saying this is ridiculous. Fine. Let it be ridiculous, yeah. but let it be right. Okay. And then often you're going to need a letter from your current rabbi or your current community saying that you're a participant in that community okay that's wonderful the next question that a lot of people wanted to ask is should you find a job before you make aliyah or so most employers will not hire someone prior to making aliyah they want to know that you're already here correct they're not looking to hire somebody who oh i hope to making aliyah by the end of the summer i told you guys that in the how to get a job in israel episode go back and listen to it they want you to already be here because they're not gonna put everything on hold for someone that it might fall through or they might get another opportunity somewhere else before coming they want somebody that's already an israeli citizen here in israel it's it's just kind of part of Yeah. So you could start looking. You should be in touch with our employment team, employment at nbn.org.il. Go onto the job boards, go onto Facebook groups like Jobs for Multilinguals. I think that's a Facebook group. Start looking, put some feelers out there, but don't anticipate coming here with a job. 
Amazing. Another big question people had was, this is kind of related. Somebody asked if they need to know Hebrew to hmm. get a job, which if that's the question you're a- asking, go listen to how to get a job in Israel. Spoiler alert. No, depends on the job. But they want to know how to learn the language to be able to properly converse. Okay. I think it's very important that if you want to have a successful life in any country you're moving to, you know the language and the culture. You need to immerse yourself into that language and culture. I think that going to Ulpan, which is essentially Hebrew classes mm-hmm. that you can do. If you make Aliyah, you get free Ulpan. You can read all about that also on our website. And the Jewish Agency has a whole amazing website about Ulpan options, residential mm-hmm. Ulpan options that are incredible. You need to learn Hebrew in a classroom and you need to be willing to make mistakes outside of the classroom. Totally. You need to be willing to be corrected or for someone to say, well, you can speak in English. If you, if you oh my gosh, I just, I just made a TikTok <laughs> about this. The other big question was, yes. what items should you bring from the States that are difficult to get here in Israel? So it's changed a lot because over, you know, in the past, people would say, oh, my God, I need to go to Costco and buy everything that I possibly can get because I can never get things here right. in Israel. It's changed a bit. It's not as as difficult to access things now as it used to be. Right. There's a lot of stores now, like Osherad carries like Kirkland brand stuff. They do. Here in Israel. They do. But if there's a specific article of clothing that you like, if you love your old navy jeans, get a bunch of old navy jeans. Uh, if you are if you are <laughs> bringing a bunch of old navy jeans to Israel, you're already part Israeli at that point. <laughs> you're already <laughs> you're already there, especially if you buy them on Black Friday. Black Friday, number one. <laughs> totally. Uh, absolutely. I would definitely say that. I will also say, and this kind of goes back to, you know, the, the Aliyah process itself, if you take any prescription medication, when you first make Aliyah, mm. While if you make Aliyah from outside of Israel and you land in Israel and you go through the processing process at the airport, you will sign up. Most of the time, you will sign up with healthcare at the airport. It's part of your process. But if you need a medication that requires a prescription from a specialist, you can only start the process of seeing that specialist after you've already left the airport and you go to your HMO, whichever Kupat Cholim you signed up with, mm-hmm. and start that process. So it might take you some time to find, to actually get the prescriptions you need. If you take a prescription medication, make sure to come to Israel with at least three months worth of that Boom. medication. Okay, that's okay? really it's important. really, really important. Health overall. Another thing that I recommend bringing if you have... A particular skincare routine mm-hmm. there's certain things i will tell you guys when i first made aliyah in 2012 you could not get anything mm-hmm. here okay. i would bring suitcases of glossier and nars makeup and cetaphil and fucking listerine used to be so expensive a lot of that stuff to orly's point is much more readily available and you couldn't order stuff like you can now. We don't have Amazon Prime or anything like that, but you still can order a lot of stuff to Israel. There's a lot of, of iHerb. Sites. Also, iHerb recently, I-herb. Is, their shipping time is nothing. I ordered something and I literally got it within five A couple days. of days. Yeah, iHerb is amazing. If you are making Aliyah for the wrong reasons, you will quickly find out throughout this process that it's not for you. The Aliyah process is a great, way to learn to be Israeli. Yes, it is. You learn to you learn to 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 you know advocate for yourself a little yep. bit more. You learn to to ask for help. You learn to reach out. Yes. You learn that 
this country is incredibly bureaucratic. But once you start gathering your documents from whichever country you're from, you're going to learn that your country is also incredibly exactly. bureaucratic. Exactly. It's don't so realize, true. Like, it's, it's just not people part of your are a little life. bit more like customer service there, a tad bit more. 100%. They're not. Yeah. 100%. I think that's such an important point. And yeah. also, like, if you're trying to run from something and you want to come to a place like Israel, oh, my gosh, good luck to you. I've yeah. seen it happen. I've seen people go off their motherfucking rockers here mm-hmm. and because they were trying to run from something back home. And it's, it's yeah. good luck to you it's if that's true. if and that's the case. I think that I say this. I say this to almost all my Olim, but definitely the ones that are making Aliyah in their 20s, 30s. Ali, there is a place in Israel for everybody. But... Living in Israel is not for everybody. Nahon. What does that mean? If you are willing to be vulnerable, if you're willing to put yourself out there, if you're willing to step outside your comfort zone, if you're willing to do research, if you're willing to say, hi, I am a young, single, 31-year-old who I'm looking for some friends that are interested in salsa dancing or bachata or whatever, yeah. I'm looking for people... You will find your people, but if you're not willing to adapt and to adjust and to reach out, you're not going to succeed. I think that that's true in life in general, but Israel is a country of no matter how much Americanization has happened in the state of Israel, which a lot has happened. But But that's not because of Americans. That's because Israelis are obsessed with America. Let's just put that out there. It's absolutely true. No matter how much, you know, modernization, if you will, there has happened in in Israel, we are still a country in the Middle East. Yep. And we are still a country that that functions like one in the Middle East and the mentality is is as such and if you're going to get offended easily because somebody said yelled at you like yalla mayeshlah like, yalla what's wrong with you and then then you're going to have a hard time because yep. that might happen to you every day it's not it's so not about you yep. and if you're willing to to do that work on yourself and put yourself out there you're going to find your place yep I think that that is such good advice of all of it and that's a wonderful way to kind of wrap up what we have been talking about Orly this has been such an amazing opportunity for people to learn about the process of making Aliyah. We are so grateful to you. And if you guys have any additional questions, we would be happy to answer more of those. If you want to do part two of this, we can always come back. We're happy to sit down and do this again. Is there anything else you want to add? Where can people get in touch with an Aliyah advisor? How do you want to sign off today? There's so much amazing stuff. Speak to the Jewish agency. They have incredible resources. It's, it's just amazing, amazing people that are just working hard to make sure you have the most successful Aliyah that's possible. We love it. Orly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We are so grateful. And guys, if you want more information, be sure and follow me over at at Margo Explains It All. And we will catch you little hookers, whores, prostitutes, and sluts in the next episode of Kiss and Tel Aviv. Bye for now. Mwah.